0: you've attended council hearings in person you've tuned in to our televised proceedings on Channel 13 now you have the chance to listen to us on the radio as we demystify the work of the people who do it this is not a council hearing this is hearing the council with your host Josh Gibson hello this is not a council hearing this is hearing the council you can't have a government without a council so you can't have a government radio station without a council show and this is it We're coming to you from the headquarters of the Office of Cable, TV, Film, Music, and Entertainment, which is also the historic headquarters of Black Entertainment Television. So it's an honor to be here. Dearly beloved, we're gathered here today to celebrate this thing called the Council. I'm Josh Gibson, Director of Communications for the Council. You may also know me as the Council's voice on social media at Council of D.C. If you don't follow us already, please do so immediately. It's okay. I'll wait. Here at the Council, our communications goal is to engage with residents in an informative, conversational, and sometimes even enjoyable way. You know if you follow us on Twitter, we're believers in the Mary Poppins School of Communications. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. We want to make it easy for average residents to understand what the Council does. We want to demystify our work and the people who do it. Remember, the DC Council is just like your workplace, except with a dais. As for the spirit of the show, we don't want this to be pablum, the company line, or an infomercial. We also don't want the constant interruption and gotcha angle of talk radio. We want the council members to be able to think and speak in paragraphs, all while keeping things light, offbeat, informal, and interesting. You're going to learn about policy, learn about people, learn about history, and learn about the institution. We'll be interviewing a council member a week, 52 weeks a year, so there's 13 council members in the council. So... Uh, four interviews per council member per year the first interview like this one is going to be more getting to know the council member so without any further ado uh, let me introduce our host our guest today uh council word 2 council member jack evans how are you today very very I'm good. very pleased to be here and thanks for having me thank thank you for being generous with your time Um, You're a bit of a fresh new face here at the council. We don't know you super well. Um, Can you introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. I represent youth energy and change.
1: (laughs) 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 Every time I run for office, I remind people of that. Uh, So uh, as many of you know, and I will restate it again, I've been on the council 27 years. I'm the longest serving member of the D.C. City Council in the history of the D.C. Council. No one has been there longer than I, including Marion Barry. Uh, who was on the council uh, with me for many years. So, uh, and what a journey it's been. So, a little bit of background. I'm originally from Pennsylvania, small town called Nanticoke, which is outside of Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, northeastern part of the state. It's about 8,000 people, so it's really a a legitimate small town. Went to college at the University of Pennsylvania in Philadelphia at the Wharton School. And then I went to law school at the University of Pittsburgh in uh, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania and always thought I'd be governor of Pennsylvania. I knew the state, east, (laughs) west, middle, everything about it. Uh, After law school, I took a job in Washington, D.C., but I had been here the summer of 1975 when I graduated from college. had a summer job in Washington in the uh, Department of the Army, Um, really liked Washington, hadn't hadn't been here before, and uh, lived over in Georgetown because there was a university there and found a place. Came back again in the uh, summer of 76, which was the bicentennial summer, if you remember. Right. And uh, the city was uh, celebrating, as was the country, and uh, again had a department of uh, the Army job at the Pentagon, of all places, and uh, lived again in Georgetown, and really l- fell in love with Washington. Uh, when I graduated from law school in 1978, I guess I could have ended up anywhere, just depending on where I got a job, and I looked all over, but I was fortunate enough to get a job in Washington. There were several government agencies that were uh, excellent at the time the justice department securities and exchange commission and that's where I got a job at the SEC so I came here September of 1978 uh, new to Washington I always tell this story and uh, started work on a Monday I think it was like September 11th Monday Marion Barry won the primary for mayor the next day Tuesday 1978 and went on to become mayor So So your
0: your first day of work tends to get lost
1: (laughs) in the history of the mayor's (laughs) achievement. Well, we say uh, Marion Barry was uh, the mayor, or mayor for life, so to speak, the entire time I've been in Washington, (laughs) D.C., and had a great relationship uh, with him. Uh, He was one of my, uh, uh, one of the people I really admire a lot, and we're going to be unveiling a statue to him, as you know, uh, at City Hall on uh, March 3rd. So... um, from there, what happened? Uh, came to Washington, worked uh, at the SEC, and politics That was always my fascination, my hobby. Uh, other people do what they do, paint, ride horses, whatever they do, but politics was what I did when I wasn't working. So uh, I immediately kind of fell into local politics, uh, became uh, part of the John Wilson organization in War II. He was the War II council member back then, and right. I remember uh, Linda Green and Linda Grigsby, a bunch of people like that, and we were all part of uh, his outfit, and um, that was my introduction to uh, local D.C. politics, and uh, here we are 40 years later, and I'm
0: uh, still hanging around. (laughs) Here we are. Now, back to where you grew up, what did people around there think of Washington, D.C.? I don't think they thought of it at all, to be honest with you.
1: Uh, Coke was a small coal mining town in a place called Wyoming Valley, which was a coal mining area. In 19, when I was growing up there, I was born in 53, so the 50s and 60s were, you know, small-town America, but the mines were dying, and and that's really what happened in that whole area of the state. The mines ended for lots of reasons. Uh, the, the It was anthracite coal, which is hard coal, not to go into a lot of detail, but they stopped using that everywhere, and when my congressman, Dan Flood, was able to keep that alive and uh, in the military, but once he he was no longer congressman, it just ended. So it became a very depressed area, and so I think a lot of people in that time period were you know just trying to make a living basically. And uh, yeah, tough area of of the world today. Yeah, do you get back much? Uh, not often. My parents have both passed away, and I uh, don't have many uh, cousins or anybody left. Uh, I go back to high school reunions, uh, so every five years or so. And again. Uh, it was during the most recent presidential campaign had gone up uh, one or two times, and it was. It's, it's a t- t- Pennsylvania's a Democratic state, but what struck me uh, at that time, uh, two years ago, I was a big Hillary Clinton supporter. Uh, I was a delegate for Hillary, an elector for Hillary. Go up there, and uh, there were nothing but Trump signs. And as you know, Pennsylvania went for uh, Don Trump. And uh, it's an yeah. interesting well, if dynamic. Cold country. Yeah, and and exactly. That do it. Yeah, that would that'll do it. So, yeah, so it's always a great place to grow up. Uh, I'm, I'm glad I'm in Washington. Though I came here and uh, fell in love with it, and here I am.
0: Yeah, well, it's a, a pretty good gig to uh, roll into a high school reunion and say that you're the War Two council member, <laughs> or presidential elector. Or, uh, I, I need to start saying that at my reunion. There you go. <laughs> uh, so. Was your first elected position as ANC commissioner, or did you back in school have any elected positions? Oh, no, no,
1: I, I was always running for stuff in school. So I was, uh, you know, uh, the white team leader, and we had a white and blue team leader. And in, in grade school, I remember doing that. And in high school, I was on the student by, you know, student whatever that they had then um in in uh, law school, I was the president of the Student Bar Association though I remember that being a big deal, which was the president of right. the whole School so you, you can see I was always running for stuff like that it 's in uh, the blood it 's in the blood and then when I came here um, again being part of the uh, War 2 organization my my first elected position was the uh, precinct representative in uh, Precinct 5 in Ward 2 <laughs> to the Democratic, uh, local Democratic State Committee. And uh, so I did that, and uh, then some of my neighbor, neighbors talked me into uh, being the uh, ANC commissioner in uh, Dupont Circle, where I lived at the time, yeah. uh, ANC 2B07. Uh, I agreed to do it if they would get the uh, petition signatures, which they did, <laughs> got me on the ballot, and no one else ran, and I won. And I showed up at the first meeting, and there were seven of us on the ANC, and uh, he said, well, who wants to be chair? Nobody else did, so I won that <laughs> and uh, became chairman of the ANC and Duvant Circle. And at the same time, actually, was elected to the uh, uh, Democratic State Committee, which is the local Democratic Party committee here, and became a treasurer of that. They uh, needed somebody who could help them out of the, the woes that they found themselves in, so I did that. And uh, so, yeah, those were my, my first elected offices here.
0: And, and speaking of being part of the Ward 2 uh, John Wilson organization, I have a photo of you holding a saxophone and uh, and John Wilson sitting at a drum set. Did, right. do, you, do you play saxophone?
1: I don't play saxophone, and he doesn't play drums.
0: Ah, <laughs> so so didn't you, play you guys drums. were just playing around, we and were, someone caught we, it for uh, yeah, posterity.
1: We were uh, at one of my... Uh, I think it was in 1992 it would have been. uh, I was first elected to the council in 91 a special election had to run again in 92. And that was, I think we did that at... Franklin Square we had a little band there and they were taking a break and I remember John sitting at the drums and it was during the President Clinton era if you remember when he played the saxophones were a big deal no question so I picked up the sax and somebody took a picture and uh, the rest is history we could both say we do play those instruments (laughs) sure exactly (laughs) who would know (laughs) so Um,
0: it was a lot of fun though yeah so, so, what do you think uh, Commissioner Evans would say to Councilmember Evans? What do you think? What do you think? How would he grade your work, and, and what would he maybe wish was different?
1: Well, I, I'd say this: when I was an ANC commissioner, uh, again, and the chairman in, in Dupont Circle, it was one of the great jobs I, I had. Uh, you, what it did is it it gives you the opportunity to figure out why things are the way they are. You know, and you walk out your door and you walk down the street and why Why are things this way? Why is that sign there? Why is this building there? Why do things happen? When you're on the ANC, you are really in the grassroots politics of your neighborhood. And I found it to be fascinating. And back then, we had a lot of battles going on. I remember the Brookings Project. It was development battles, and we were successful in really preserving DuPont Circle, which at that time could have been overrun by large-scale development projects and put in an overlay zone back in the 90s that has led DuPont Circle to be what it is today. And what I was fortunate enough when John was uh, uh, the council member, and then he decided to run for chairman of the council in uh, 1990, and was a shoe-in, and, and he won, and it opened up a seat. And back then, you didn't have a lot of open seats on the council, so I decided to run, and uh, as did 15 other people in Ward 2. And so we had 16 people in the race, and I remember, it, it's a good lesson, I, I won by, uh, I think it was like 256 votes. So it was a close election, and uh, we out-organized everybody, it's the best I can say, and somehow we managed to pull it off. and. Uh, we had to run, as I mentioned, uh, a year later in the in the regular election cycle, and uh, I ran unopposed, which was great, and then uh, been there ever since. And so, I think as a you know, I meet and talk with my ANC commissioners all the time. Just today, I was meeting with uh, Will Kennedy Smith from uh, Foggy Bottom, chairman of the ANC down there. And, you know, uh, what what ANC commissioners would say to a council member, you know, always focus on what's important that got you there, local stuff. That's important. Uh, and I, like Tip O'Neill, you know, all politics is local, I always say the most important streets are the one in front of my house. Absolutely. And you have to remember that. You can be the greatest legislator in the world, the smartest person pontificating about great issues. People don't care at the end of the day if the pothole is not fixed or the sidewalk's not fixed or the tree is not trimmed or right. you don't take care of things that are very important. So I think that's what council member... Evans would hear from uh, from A uh, and C commissioner.
0: Evans is yeah. If you go two days with, without trash pickup, uh, none <laughs> yeah. of, none of the big uh, budget yeah. uh, billion dollar questions being nobody
1: mean doesn't matter, and, and that's why I make a point of every year I go to every A and C in my ward. We have six of them. I go to every citizens association meeting in my ward, I go to every business association meeting in my ward, and uh, and, and there are other kind of or bids, etc. Anytime there's an organized meeting, I try to get to one of them a year and then uh, a whole host of other events that happen around the world. So being out in the community is really, really important to get the feedback of what are people thinking, what's going on, how does this all work. So it's, uh, but you have to like it. I mean, if you don't like this job, it'd be crazy to do it,
0: yeah. <laughs> but I love it. <clears throat> Do you, this is a question that I always have in the back of my head, uh, who do you think makes for a better council member, a former ANC commissioner or a former council staffer?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I think they both bring a lot of strengths to the, uh, to the table. Uh, again, an ANC commissioner has had that experience of in the community, what's important, how to, how to navigate, uh, but a council staffer knows the process of how the council works, and I think either one of them can learn the other but and they both bring a skill set to the council that that's important so uh we have uh we've have both on the council you know if i go through the members you know you have a lot of former anc commissioners and a lot of former council staff our chairman exactly is is both
0: right the chairman you know, and, still, and i'm blanking there's a second one there are only two i think in council two history have that have had, done both have done both yeah, yeah and it, 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 those are good good perspectives yeah yeah um now your political views i think more than any of the other council members can can fairly easily be summed up you're you're socially liberal you're business friendly how what in your background got you to that place um i would say
1: socially liberal and fiscally responsible is the best way to describe it and business friendly is an interesting observation but yeah um i would say the experience has gotten me there um in on the social side uh again Living in Washington D.C. as long as I've had, you know, going back 40 years, and watching how the city developed has really formed how I view the world, and uh, how to help people uh, who are struggling, people in need. Uh, I think is something that uh, uh, that that has come to me over the years. And again, coming from a you know a middle class background in Pennsylvania, and seeing the struggles that lots of people had, and the diverse community that I grew up in. And again, the diversity in my area where I grew up was ethnic, you know, it was Polish, Italian, Irish, you know, Protestants, Catholics, all kind of competing to See how we can run this valley together, and in Washington, you have a similar type of, not necessarily those ethnic groups, but similar types of groups, you know, competing to see how we can run this city. So, and and I think uh, certainly I, I have been the leader on the council, without a doubt, in the gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender community, and I think again a lot of that developed by being on the ANC with a number of members who are from the gay and lesbian community and the struggles that we all face together and how to promote that and i remember the first bill i introduced when i got on the council in 1991 was the sodomy repeal and it failed and uh, look where we are today compared to where we were then and uh, have led that fight uh, along the way because you you recognize we get to know people how you know all of these things are human rights that we struggle so much for on the fiscal responsibility i think where that comes from is i was there when the train hit the wall I was on the council in 91. I was there in 95 when the city literally went bankrupt, when a control board was imposed, and realized how fragile this whole system is for us. Now, today we're doing spectacular But we're not doing it by luck or chance or, wow, how'd that happen? Tony Williams, Linda Kropp, Nat Gandhi, myself, who were the team in 1999, who took a city that was literally in bankruptcy and put it to where it is today. And the enormously hard decisions and unpopular decisions that we made in order to make that happen need to be remembered. And that's why I try and constantly bring that to the forefront on the development side. You know, the MCI, Verizon, now Capital One Arena. It was a 7-6 to six vote on the council, a fight to get it done. The convention center, I had a person follow me around with a white elephant costume for two years, heckling me at every stop against the convention center. That was me, by the way. Was that you? You look good in a white just, elephant just costume. <laughs> and the baseball stadium. I mean, a 7-6 to six vote on the council 12 times. Uh, and and it, can you imagine the city today without those things? But yeah. the arguments and the fights that we had to get them done and the economic development that that produced and the revenue then that came from that economic development that now goes to the school budget, to the sure. human services budget. So it's all intertwined. But I always like to say to people, it's very fragile. You can. I was here when we flipped this thing right over. And you could flip it over again if you're not careful.
0: Now, you named a number of 7-6 votes that hindsight shows us were the right uh, the Correct. right decision. Can you think of any seven sixes that went the wrong way, just out of curiosity? Uh,
1: um, there were some that I remember when we were going to uh, uh, try and build uh, some downtown hotels that uh, over a tech world where something didn't go the way we wanted it to go and it didn't get done and and it was the wrong decision that came to mind. So I'd have to give us some more thought on that. But gotcha. yeah, there are there there are instances where we. Uh, Uh, One of the funniest things that comes to mind is when we passed the... This is in 1993, I guess it was. uh, uh, The city was hemorrhaging money, and it was really looking bleak. And uh, somebody came up with this idea of the fifth quarter. And so we all voted for, to recognize the fifth quarter, and that led to the bankruptcy. Yeah. <laughs> so. I've, al- I've always thought the fifth quarter would be a great name for a sports bar,
0: not, not necessarily a fiscal bridge. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And I always say I'm the only one left who voted for the fifth quarter. But there you have it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> now, are you, I don't know the answer to this, are you the only uh, MBA in council history? Um, I don't have an MBA. Oh, you don't so, have that? Okay. Uh, no, I went a, to Wharton. I went for, to Wharton undergrad, undergrad, yeah. undergrad, okay. So
1: I had that, and then uh, a law degree. So, uh, but I don't know, uh, it's a good question whether anybody else has an MBA or not. I'm not, not familiar with that, yeah.
0: Yeah, from a
1: business background. But uh, a very large business background. And again, I think the Wharton School is a fabulous place to gain that background and bring... To the city, on the council, the what I learned there. And, again, it's a lot of give and take, uh, trying to uh, maintain where we are. And, and it's fascinating. And, and again, you got to like this stuff. Tax policy, how does that all work? Right? Does it drive things? Does it not drive things? And there's a lot of people that I deal with both on the council and off the council. I have different views on this, on how it works. But I always say, at the end of the day, it's hard to argue with success. I mean, we did take a city that was in the Baltimore, Cleveland, Detroit, Category and have made it without a doubt the most dynamic city in America today, whose finances are really the envy of every city, county, and state. So we did something right there. And the biggest challenge I see as we go ahead, though, is. We're spending an enormous amount of money in this city, $14 billion a year now, for a small population of about 700,000 people. It's the most money per person of any jurisdiction in America. So why can't we get certain things right? Why do we still struggle with a school system that is a relatively small system? We only have 80,000 kids with the charters and DCPS combined that is the most recent nightmare. One out of every three, three kids shouldn't have graduated last year. How can that be when I'm spending $2.5 billion a year on this system? Or in the human services area, why do I have homeless people on the street when I'm spending over $3 billion a year in that cluster? So what are, what are we doing wrong? And the answer always at budget time as well, if you spend more money, do you really think if I gave the school system another billion dollars that that would be the cure-all? Or is it we're not spending the money that we are spending wisely. It's not doing, it's not having, we're not moving the needle. So if you look at the school system in particular over the last 10 years, we spent $20 billion. And we haven't moved the needle. So what happened? How did that, where did we go wrong in that? And you know the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Exactly. So how do we change that paradigm so that all the resources we're putting in have the effect we want it to have? That's what I try to convey to my colleagues. You know, we, don't, we celebrate the win is we got more money. The win should be we change the result.
0: Right, and it's, it's difficult to get... Uh, bureaucracy to perform more effectively yeah. more efficiently more intelligently and that if, really is. if someone can figure that out i mean with all the oversight the council does right and the hours of hearings you yeah. know that the eye is on the ball yeah uh, but it's it's just difficult to to enforce that efficiency absolutely
1: and then i see it in metro as you know now i'm chairman of the board of metro which is a, a council appointed position to right. get onto the metro board and then uh, have become chairman for the last two and a half years now, and and, and you know again a, a an organization that was the pride of the region for so many years and now has become you know such a a, a failure and how did how did that happen? and how do we turn that around? And what's happening over at Metro with you know our workforce and our management and even the board itself? So it's been a, today, though, right now, the time period reunion. I just want to say it's such a historic time for Metro. As we sit here today in Virginia's legislature, they are debating for the first time in history, a dedicated funding source for Metro in Maryland's legislature a dedicated funding source for Metro. And at the D.C. Council, we just had a hearing in my committee on a dedicated funding source for Metro. This is the most seminal moment for Metro since it opened in 1976. And so let's hope we can make this happen.
0: Right, I mean, I think Metro now is kind of D.C. in the 80s, that it kind of hit rock bottom as as you need to before you begin a recovery. Great analogy. And hopefully in, I don't know how much time you can tell me better, five, 10, 15 years, it will be doing what the district is doing now from a a budget standpoint. Yeah, that's what we're hoping, yep. So so back to your, uh, not to obsess on it, but back to your tenure. I I did a little research, and uh, Councilmember Nadeau was 11 when you were elected to the council, (laughs) uh, and Councilmember Trayon White from Ward 8 was 7. How do those interactions go when you have been there for over two decades? They're new. You're different generations. Uh, how, how does that work
1: out? So far, so good. And again, I've seen a lot of people come and go in the uh, 27 years I've been there. And uh, I have found most of my uh, colleagues to be uh, excited about being here, involved, and, uh, and and I enjoy working with them. And uh, certainly Brienne is in the office next to me. She represents Ward 1, which is the ward next to mine. And uh, we have worked together on a number of issues, and I find her to be uh, very engaged. And uh, when someone comes across that way, it's easy to work together. Uh, and same with Trayon. Uh, I just was with he and uh, Wanda Lockridge, who I've known for, Wanda and I go back 20 years together. Her husband, William, who's passed away, was a great supporter of mine as well. And, uh, and we were talking yesterday about an a number of things happening in the city and in Ward 2, Ward 8, and how we could work together on that. And again, I, I find it exciting when you have uh, what well, we started out joking at the beginning of the broadcast, youth, energy, change. That's what these jobs are all about, is making sure there's excitement and things don't get stale and boring. And so the new energy that uh, younger people bring on the council, I think, works well with having experience as well. So you don't want everybody new, but you don't want anybody old either. So I think you have myself, uh, Phil, who's been around a long time. Uh, Mary Che, believe it or not, is the third uh, most senior member on the council. So you, uh, oh, and Vince Gray, of course, uh, my longtime friend, Vince Gray, who has been here forever, uh, not necessarily in the government, but uh, I've known him going back to 1991 as well. Uh, You need that kind of experience Uh, that can then interact with
0: some of the new ideas. So I I found it to work very well. Right. Now, um, so your tenure on the council is already old enough to drink in Washington, D.C. In 2021, your tenure will be old enough to run for the Senate. So this is a new show. Can we make a little news? If we get statehood, will you declare now that your council tenure will run for one of two uh DC Senate seats?
1: No. I'm yeah. I'm I'm very happy I'll be honest with you, I'm very happy being on the council. I uh uh, and representing War too, so it's not even like I'm going to run at large or something else. No. Um, I ran for mayor twice, um, and, and I'm glad I did. It was uh, a fabulous experience to travel across the city, particularly running for mayor, uh, which is a high-profile uh, job. Meeting people, understanding how the city works So on both occasions. Uh, it was a real education for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, an opportunity for me to meet and share my ideas with people, um, but I think those times have come and gone. You know, at uh, age 64, uh, I'm, I'm very content where I am as head of the finance committee on the council, playing a you know senior role in many ways, and being on the Metro board, which I find fascinating. I was just elected recently as the Democratic National Committee man, so I'm now a member of the. DNC, Democratic National Committee, and get to play a role maybe in national politics, which I'm also very, uh, very interested and excited about. So yeah, no, life is good. How how will you know when your time
0: in public office has come to an end?
1: I think when the voters uh, let me know that. <laughs> uh, it's a it's a tough call. Uh, you have to uh, you have to read your uh, your electorate and. Uh, if you find that uh, it's time to go, then you go, or if the better voters tell you that. But uh, Tom Davis, a great friend of mine, and he retired. And I remember he always says, uh, I retired undefeated and unindicted. So uh, <laughs> that's, that's the way to do it. <laughs> so maybe that's uh, But I have no, uh, no intention of retiring anytime soon. I'm, I'm having too much fun.
0: Gotcha. Uh, one quick uh, wrap-up question. Uh, As you may remember, James Lipton from inside the Actors Studio, in an homage to Bernard Pivot of the seminal program Apostrophe, would ask all guests the same ten thought-provoking questions. I will not be asking those questions. Instead, could you please rank in your order of preference these five items? Candy, cake, cookies, ice cream, and pie. Top to bottom. Candy, cake,
1: ice cream is last. Uh, cookies, did you Cookies. Say? Cookies pie. is first.
0: Cookies okay. first. Cookies first, ice cream last.
1: Uh, cake okay. is second. Pie is third. And what's the fourth one? Mm, candy. Candy. Okay. Gotcha. Got
0: okay. it. Okay. That's, you can tell a lot from how people answer that question. Oh, is that right? Oh, the, interesting. The, the pie people make me nervous. Oh, the pie people. Where did yes, I put that? absolutely. You put it low enough down that low enough I, think, down, okay. I think we're yeah. good.
1: And the other thing is when you go to the doctor, they ask you to remember like things and then ask you that three, three minutes later. And
0: if you can't remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that's a valid point. We're, we're, we're still in the game. We're still in the game. <laughs> Uh, Well, thank you again so much for being here. And thanks to the listeners for joining us. Uh, Tune in again next time. We're at DC Radio, which is at 96.3 on your HD4 dial or at dcradio.gov. This is Josh Gibson. This is not a council hearing. This is Hearing the Council. Thank you.